Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, a podcast for Catholics who love tradition and want more of it. This is episode 57. My name is Chris. Normally, there are at least a a couple of people on the podcast, but today we're trying something a little different. I'm going solo this time. I hope you don't mind spending some time with me today. A listener back in season one asked us to do an episode on growing in devotion to the person of God the Father. So, this podcast is dedicated to Jem and her question. On this podcast, I'm going to share a part of my own story of coming to discover the fathership of God in my own life. We'll discuss a major roadblock that may stand in the way of building that relationship with the Father. And I'll share some practical tips for ways that we can face that roadblock and grow in a deeper relationship with the person of God, the Father. I've been praying about this episode since last June. Partially, I haven't felt ready to release it. Honestly, who am I to really give practical advice about devotion to the person of God, the Father? Yet, unqualified as I am, I do have some thoughts about God the Father to share. If you've been following our podcast, especially since the time of the current health crisis, you may have heard a theme, hope. The theological virtue of hope is so incredibly important and is now more than perhaps any other time in our lives previously. This is why now, more than ever, I wish to talk to you and with you about God the Father. If you will allow me, I want to talk a little bit about my own story in order to better share my own perspective on the topic of God the Father. A couple things to keep in mind. First, I'm not a theologian or a spiritual director. I'm just a regular married Catholic man. I do not propose to be an expert on the spiritual life. So any deficiencies, as St. Teresa of Jesus would say, is owing truly to my ineptitude, and so I leave all of this to the authority of Holy Mother Church to judge. That being said, I simply wish to share some of my own insights, experiences, roadblocks, and tips for growth, and hopefully you'll be able to take something from it. Why is it so important to discuss the person of God the Father? Father Faber, in his book on growth and holiness, states that, quote, the third deficiency which holds us back, and I am inclined to suppose it by far the most common, may be want of a filial feeling toward God. I wish I could be very clear, as well as very strong about this because so very much depends on it. If our view of God is not uniformly and habitually that of a father, the very fountains of piety will be corrupted within us. End quote. As a podcast dedicated to helping Catholics discover and love tradition, we know that this cannot be done properly without a solid foundation. If the tender virtue of piety is not present in our souls, even should we have all of the best traditional catechetical formation in the world, 
we will never be able to truly appreciate sacred scripture or sacred tradition. It will be as if we experience it all from the outside looking in, instead of experiencing it at its very heart. If you have been listening for a while, you know that I come from a novice ordo and charismatic Catholic background, but I fell in love with traditional Catholicism nearly 10 years ago. I grew up, however, in a broken home. My dad left my mom when I was about six months old. Although I would see him a handful of times a year, sadly that relationship never really took root. He was also an atheist, unlike my mother and I who were Catholic. To add insult to injury, my mother was quite ill, and her illness increased over time while her physical capacities diminished. So not only did I have to grow up quickly and become the man of the house, I had to also play the part of a caregiver to my mother as well. I was, however, not completely alone in caring for her. My mom's father, my grandfather, stepped up in a big way in my life during that time, for which I am eternally grateful. That being said, while I saw my grandfather on almost a daily basis, it was certainly no substitute for my own actual father. Now, I did not realize it at that time of my youth, but the abandonment of my own father had a tremendous impact upon my relationship with the person of God the Father. John Eldridge, in his popular book, Wild at Heart, refers to this as the father wound. He states, quote, Every boy in his journey to become a man takes an arrow in the center of his heart, in the place of his strength, because the wound is rarely discussed and even more rarely healed. Every man carries a wound, and the wound is nearly always given by his father. End quote. So getting back to my story, little Chris had to grow up and fast. Many people commented on how mature I was for my age. You see, I had to be grown up. I had no other choice. In my mind, it was on me in a big way, whether that was reality or not. Regrettably, when I do something stereotypically juvenile, I would also be met with greater disappointment than most kids. People generally expected more from the mature kid, most especially myself. While most kids at the age of 10 and 11 were wondering what games they were going to get or sports they were going to play, I was dealing with my own personal crisis of faith. This father wound in me grew and festered over time until one day I found myself, as one does at times, completely rejected by my fellow classmates. Now, all alone, I began to ask the big philosophical questions. Why is there suffering in the world? Why, if God is so loving, does my mother, who loves God so much, suffer relentlessly? Why, if God loves me, would he leave me fatherless, partially motherless because of her illness, 
and now completely rejected by my friends. He's just like my own dad, who leaves a person to suffer alone. In that moment, I recall telling God that I wanted nothing to do with him. While I continued to go to church with my mom because I didn't want to hurt her feelings, I did not in any way want to be there. Despite attending vacation Bible schools and mass, I secretly hated God. I found myself sinking further and further into a dark pit of despair. Fast forward a couple of years, and I met a priest who essentially took me under his wing. He helped lead me to a prayerful encounter with the person of Christ that changed my life forever. While that moment of conversion was incredibly powerful and healing for me, the father wound was still there. I had encountered Christ but my relationship with God the Father was not yet really established. It was not until the following year that God the Father began apparently intervening and building that lived relationship with him. Some of you may recall that John Paul II dedicated the three years prior to the Jubilee year 2000 to the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. 1999 was dedicated to God the Father, and that summer, I attended a Steubenville Youth Conference dedicated to God the Father. What occurred that weekend is somewhat inexplicable. However, the best way I can describe it is that a particular grace was given to me to begin to forgive my dad, and to accept God the Father's own fathership in my personal life. I began to understand the loving nature of the Father and how it was truly revealed in the person of Jesus. I learned that if I wanted to know God the Father and what He was like, I simply needed to begin to study the Gospels through the lens of God the Father, and I would see what the Father was like. So, I began to spend time in mental prayer with God the Father, and my love for Him and my relationship with him began to grow. I have some bad news, uh, but also some incredibly good news. The bad news is that once the father wound has been inflicted, it is the single biggest wound one has to deal with in their lives. And I believe that almost everyone experiences this to one degree or another. I truly believe that almost every good Catholic today experiences this very wound. We are living, as Alexander Mitchellai states, in a time without a father. While many may not relate to the impact of divorce, any good Catholic knows the father wound when they consider the impact of the sexual abuse crisis in the church today. What type of emotions or thoughts are invoked with the following names? McCarrick, Masiel, Benedict, Corapi, Whirl, Dolan, Fabro, Crosby, Collins, Fillet, Bergoglio, Francis. 
some or all of these names may conjure in the Catholic a repulsion and a righteous indignation. Perhaps you may feel a sense of sadness, of abandonment, or maybe even anger. All of these emotions are valid. The faithful have been inflicted with a heavy wound by fathers who should have known better. If one of those names aroused a sense of sadness, congratulations, you too have a father wound. Father wounds come in different shapes and sizes. Returning to my own story, while I had essentially forgiven my own dad for his abandonment, later in life I encountered the father wound in a different and perhaps more devastating way. Through the direct actions of a couple of priests. Compounding upon a wound that still was not fully healed, the spiritual abuse of these priests devastated me. While I'm not a psychologist, I can say from experience that once a spiritual and ecclesial element is added into abuse by a fatherly figure, the father wound takes on a whole different kind of affliction. As any victim of priestly abuse can attest, it can become incredibly confusing, and it impacts not only their relationship with the priests in question, but it has the potential to impact their relationships with all priests and the church as a whole, and ultimately with God the Father. For me, the experience was spiritually devastating. While I do not wish to get into the details of the events on this podcast, I can tell you that the devastation in its wake was immense. It took two and a half years for me to return to the sacrament of confession. Two and a half years of sins led to the darkest time in my whole life. Yet, after experiencing this spiritual abuse, God the Father did not abandon me. He slowly, over time, began to work to restore my faith in Him but also to restore my love and trust in the church his beloved son founded. He did this in his own time, but this time he did it through returning to the sacrament of confession, meditation upon the passion, adoration of the blessed sacrament, and the traditional Latin Mass. There was also what I now see as a key player who was working big time behind the scenes. St. Joseph. We'll return to this a little later. I think the recent crisis occurring in the church, both the sexual abuse crisis and the church's crisis of faith, which our current Holy Father, Pope Francis, is regrettably allowing to occur, can have a profound impact on the relationship with God the Father. I think our crisis can be summed up in a crisis of true fatherhood. Cardinal Ratzinger, now Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, stated in The God of Jesus Christ, Meditations on the Triune God, quote, The crisis of fatherhood that we are experiencing today is a basic aspect of the crisis that threatens mankind as a whole. Where fatherhood is perceived only as a biological accident on which no genuinely human claims may be based, or the father is seen as a tyrant whose yoke must be thrown off, 
something in the basic structure of human existence has been damaged. End quote. I find the context of this quote to be kind of ironic. Don't you? What I may say here might be controversial. However, I believe that despite his own understanding of fatherhood, even Pope Benedict abandoned his children. How many of us looking at the ravaged bride of Christ today look back at Pope Benedict and find ourselves saying, he left us to the wolves. For those of us who may be weaker in the virtue of faith, we may even catch ourselves thinking, what does that say about Christ when even his vicar on earth abandons us? Trust me, friend, I get it. For many souls, everything happening in the church right now is ripping open countless father wounds, both for men and women. So many have left the faith. We're bleeding out. We ask for clarity, and what do we get in return? Silence. In the event that things blow up in our dioceses, what are the responses that we receive? Press releases, formal statements. When Catholics need the real faith now more than ever, Rome instead welcomes syncretist heresies. The Pope attacks faithful priests and laity, calling them names like rigid. Now, in the time of plague, when turning to our own bishops for the aid of the sacraments, we're starved instead of fed. Instead of finding creative solutions to aid the faithful, as the Church has always done, many of our shepherds have cuddled up to the wolves of the world. Truly, we're being given stones when we've asked for bread. We know that bad fathers generally produce bad sons. The statistics don't lie. The rates of crime, violence, broken marriages, mental disorders, addictions, all increase when men do not have real fathers. When our spiritual fathers fail us, the stats also don't lie. Churches are shutting down and being sold off by the thousands. Vocations are drying up. Our seminaries and schools are closing or are making compromises and becoming just like other secular institutions. This, I surmise, finds its roots deep in the father wounds of the faithful. But despite all of this, here is the incredibly good news. The father wound does not have the final say. God the Father loves each of us as his own adopted child. He desires deeply to be your father, so much so that he revealed himself through the Son as the Father. By baptism, God the Father has taken us into his own home and made us his child. He longs for us to be eternally united to him in a fatherly embrace. It is only within that fatherly embrace that we can find healing for the father wounds we encounter in this fallen world. How did God the Father begin healing the father wound in me? After a couple of years of sinking deeper into despair, after experiencing those father wounds from those priests, I found myself seeped in sin, unforgiveness, and bitterness, and I avoided the sacrament of confession like the plague. How ironic. 
I was operating out of my own father wound. It was as if I viewed my wounds as incurable blows committed by some negligent doctors. If you have encountered deep depression in yourself or in others, you know what this looks like. The darkness becomes comfortable, and you wallow in it. In my case, those wounds were festering and growing, but instead of going to the hospital, I avoided all doctors because I no longer trusted in medicine in general. It took reluctantly going on pilgrimage to St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal for me to return to the Sacrament of Confession. I see now that St. Joseph was orchestrating things behind the scenes to make that possible, like the really good father that he is. That moment was pivotal in helping to put my spiritual life back on track and to come to realize again the fathership of God. Fast forward to today, and God the Father has been, without a shadow of a doubt, working overtime to heal those father wounds, to restore my faith in Him, in the divine institution of the Church, to bring me to a deeper love and desire for the sacraments, to begin striving for a deeper life of prayer and virtue, to grow in my love and knowledge of the Church, and to forgive those fathers who have left me abandoned and wounded. God the Father has shown to me in many ways His tender heart, and has led me into a greater freedom and joy than I have ever known. It is clear that He used those moments of weakness and pain of my youth to prepare me intellectually and spiritually for the current crisis. I see those dark moments as a particular grace, an anticipatory grace, needed for the current time and for the days which I believe lie ahead. The current crisis may be the very same thing for you. Hey everybody, Julie here. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. Have you subscribed to our podcast yet? You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. We'd also love for you to join our online community. Give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. If you have questions or comments, you can also email us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. Next week, we're joined by a special guest to discuss the recent survey sent by the Vatican to bishops regarding the traditional Latin Mass. Make sure you're subscribed so you can be the first to hear it. All right, back to Chris. When Jem, our dear listener, reached out to us, she asked if we could provide helpful tips on growing in devotion to God the Father. After discussing with the group, uh, I decided that I would take this time to share part of my story to help illustrate, at least in my own experience, the biggest roadblock which may stand in the way, particularly natural and spiritual father wounds. In order to move forward in a relationship with the person of God the Father, I've created a little bit of an acronym for you to take and consider going forward, and it's PACTS, P-A-C-T-S, and it stands for Prayer, Acquit, Confess, Talk, and Seize. We'll begin with the first one, Prayer. 
prayer for self-knowledge in particular. So the first step in growing in a relationship with God the Father is to spend some time in mental prayer, preferably in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. But if you currently do not have access to the Eucharist, spend time in silence and enter into yourself through the prayer of recollection and simply spend time alone with God who dwells in you and who came to dwell in you through the sacrament of your baptism. I'll put a link in our show notes at theologyofthebuddy.com to a short Carmelite guide to the prayer of recollection, if you're unfamiliar with it. So during your times of mental prayer, entrust yourself to St. Joseph. Ask him to be your guide and your spiritual father, and to lead you to a better love and knowledge of yourself and God the Father. Pray the prayer to St. Michael, and ask our blessed Lord for the protection of his most precious blood to cover you. Once you have done this, ask the Holy Ghost to enlighten your mind and reveal the areas in your life wherein you have experienced a father wound. This can be a painful process and can take some time. Do not rush the Holy Ghost, nor be discouraged. He will reveal to you those wounds, if you have them, in his own time. Simply trust that if he wills to reveal to you what needs healing, he will do so. Sometimes he will do the healing covertly without your even realizing it. Nevertheless, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. The Holy Ghost wills our freedom and our healing. Do not be afraid to ask for it. You may find, like I did in those times, that you may hold feelings of resentment towards God the Father himself. God the Father knows and sees this, and he wills to heal that. If you encounter this, I recommend making fervent acts of faith and hope regularly and to spend as much time in adoration as you can. Again, if you can't spend time before the Blessed Sacrament, sit in front of a crucifix. Our Blessed Lord in the Eucharist wills to heal those wounds and to reveal the Father to you. So that's one, prayer. Two, acquit. The definition of acquit is to judge someone not guilty. This is the true goal of forgiveness. We recognize that in ourselves we do not have the power to judge anyone, and that only Christ is the true judge. You've heard the prayer before, and I think it was St. Augustine, who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This advice is somewhat in that same vein. The work of forgiveness can only be done with grace. Nothing else but the precious blood of the Savior can melt the chains of anger, bitterness, and resentment which attach themselves to us when we begin to hold unforgiveness in our hearts. My advice is to, every day and multiple times during the day, to pray, Eternal and loving Father, I choose today to forgive blank. Help my unforgiveness. You may, over time, find that that prayer changes, and you no longer need help with those feelings of unforgiveness. 
God wills to replace those feelings of hurt, resentment, with lively charity. Three, confession. All of this, of course, all needs to be done in conjunction with regular confession and weekly reception of Holy Communion, if possible. If you have never gotten the opportunity to make a general or a life confession, I highly recommend it. Shining the light on all the darkest places of your life will lead to greater healing for you. Like I said previously, many times the father wound is tied up with feelings of unforgiveness and resentment. We cannot move ahead in the spiritual life if we do not renounce the sin of unforgiveness and accept God's own fatherly presence in the vacuum caused by those father wounds. 4. Talk It cannot be understated that confession is not professional counseling. Priests are not well-equipped to handle the deep psychological impacts of abuse. No matter what they may think, they don't have that ability. If you can afford counseling, especially with a qualified Catholic counselor, I highly recommend it. A link will be in our show notes for a solid Catholic counseling practice that offers over-the-phone psychological counseling. Five, C's. St. Paul urges us in 2 Corinthians 10.5 to take captive every thought and make it subject to Christ. While it is practically impossible to perform such an action, it is important that we not let whatever ground we have taken by grace in the realm of healing to be lost. And it can be lost. We must constantly work at being aware of the thoughts which we are prone to think, and when we face those negative thoughts, to make prayerful acts of forgiveness and acts of faith and trust. Simple prayers like, Lord, I choose to forgive. Help my unforgiveness. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, show me the Father. Heavenly Father, I trust in your goodness. Father Faber states in his book, All for Jesus, quote, So much stunted growth in the spiritual life may be traced to an unaffectionate view of God. You must get clear of this. You must cultivate a filial feeling toward him. You must pray to the Holy Spirit for his gift of piety, whose special office is to produce this feeling. You will never be right until your view of God as your father swallows up all your other views of him. A man could do no better than to devote his whole life to be the apostle of this one idea, the compassionate paternity of God. End quote. The idea of relating to God the Father can be difficult, especially for those of us who grew up fatherless or who had bad fathers. This was the case for me. Friend, do not despair. Jesus reveals God the Father to us, as I previously mentioned. Why focus on Christ, the second person of the Trinity, when trying to come to love God the Father more? Jesus Christ reveals 
God the Father to us, as Tertullian, an early church father from the first century, says, quote, the expression God the Father had never been revealed to anyone. When Moses himself asked God who he was, he heard another name. The Father's name has been revealed to us in the Son, for the name Son implies the new name, Father. End quote. In the Gospel according to St. John, Christ says, quote, He that seeth me seeth the Father also. End quote. How does our Lord reveal the Father to us today? He does so through his own Son's incarnation, revealed through sacred scripture. In the Synoptic Gospels, the Father is mentioned by name less than 25 times altogether, in all three Gospels. The Gospel of John, however, is filled with 62 references to the Father. So, whether or not you have trouble relating to God the Father, I recommend spending time in the Gospel of St. John and praying meditatively over the scriptures which reference God the Father. If you've not learned the ancient prayer of Lexio Divina, I would also recommend that as well. I will provide another good resource to learn Lexio Divina in the show notes at theologyofthebuddy.com. I believe simply reading the scriptures is not enough. One needs to soak them in and allow them to fill your mind and heart and inflame them with love for God the Father. As a child, I always used to look with suspicion and jealousy upon my classmates who had good relationships with their fathers. I would see them picked up and held, and I never knew what that truly felt like. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you didn't have a dad. Or maybe you had a father who hurt you. Many of us have felt the sting of abandonment by our fathers. Some of us have felt abandoned by God, the Father. I have always wondered if I would ever know what that kind of love that my friends had with their own father was like. Now, by the virtue of faith, I can say that this is completely possible. It is possible, and God truly wills it for us. We were created to know the paternal love of God in the depths of our mind, heart, and soul, and to live our lives out of that experience of being loved deeply by God the Father. Sadly, many of us have instead lived from a place of fear and pain. Some of us may have even felt like it's all on us. Like I said previously, a true appreciation of sacred scripture and sacred tradition is deeply rooted in the theological virtue of hope, which fuels the virtue of piety. When we are rooted in hope and have complete confidence in God the Father, we begin to cherish Him and the things that come from Him, most especially the gift of his very Son, and the Paschal mystery made present on our altars every day at the most holy sacrifice of the Mass. I have not met an angry traditionalist who could speak of the tender love 
of God the Father for them or for others. A particular note to my fellow fathers out there. Brothers, you are the face of God the Father to your children. Do not waste this opportunity to use your presence in their lives to reveal the tender and compassionate heart of God the Father to them. If you do not know what this means, it is time to enter seriously into a daily regimen of prayer. Yes, be strong. Yes, encourage, discipline, virtue. Yet, be kind and gentle. Be meek and humble of heart. If your children cannot say that they can find rest and joy in your presence, you must examine your conscience and make some serious changes. We have a particular role in forming the fathers of this next generation and for generations to come. We must, by our own example, teach our sons and daughters what true fatherhood looks like, or else the world and the church will continue to find herself fatherless in big ways, and I dare I say, in bigger ways than we do today. In conclusion, I believe now more than ever before that we need to know in our depths the love of God the Father. In a world where fatherhood is confused, in a church with a very small number of real fathers, we must hold fast to God the Father's love for us and his love for others. God wills to heal our father wounds and to bring us into deeper freedom and joy. We can achieve this only by means of being in a state of grace and by orienting our minds and hearts towards the loving and tender face of God the Father, by praying the sacred scriptures, particularly the Gospels, and by means of mental prayer. Prayer is the means by which we are given the grace to keep the commandments. Recall the promise of Christ in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, quote, If anyone love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and will make our abode with him. End quote. Through prayer, men have the ability to encounter and be transformed by the loving gaze of the Father, and can hear those beautiful words spoken originally to Christ our Lord, but spoken to them in their very souls. You are my Son, my Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. For the women, we know statistically that if they do not receive the loving and affirming gaze of their own Father, they will look for that gaze in all the wrong places. They too must find in the silence of prayer the loving and tender gaze of the Father who looks upon them and says, My beloved daughter, how truly beautiful you are. You are my delight and the apple of my eye. This upcoming Sunday, we celebrate Pentecost, where the apostles and Mary received the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Christ refers to the Holy Ghost as the promise of the Father. The Holy Ghost is the one who brings with him God the Father and God the Son when he comes to dwell in us in our holy baptism. My prayer for you this Pentecost is that God the Father, by the power of the Holy Ghost, and through the intercession of Mary, his beloved spouse, and St. Joseph, foster father of the Redeemer, heals the wounds inflicted by bad fathers in your life. 
so that you may know more fully the freedom that Christ has won for us by his sacred passion. May God bless you abundantly. Stay tratty.